Hello, everyone, and welcome to our final episode of, of Ethnic Talks for this season one. If you would like to see more, I don't know if we'll do it, but we'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see if we want to. And then, so today, since it is our finale, we there will not be a, a decided topic. Instead, we will discuss the model minority myth and multiculturalism, our past two topics, as they relate to one another. And there won't be any research. We'll be talking about more, more from our own personal perspectives and our own relationship with them. So, th- so instead of thinking, this, thinking of this as us researching our quotes and presenting to the, and presenting them to you, think about it instead of this as our personal experiences with them. And and at the end, we will end this off and cap it off nicely. But first, I would like to ask my fellow group members, and we have all five of them this week. Yay! Um, uh, who would like to go first? I guess I could go first. I think I mentioned last week about um, me going to a mostly white school. So that kind of affected my experience a lot. Um, I kind of was grouped together with like the one or two other Asian kids. It was like, it was like kind of smaller school, but yeah. And um, yeah, even though we're from completely different places, we're um, grouped together and also, I've been made fun of for like food and stuff too back in like elementary school. So that that really affected me too. So like I always wanted lunch bowls as a kid, since uh, I've been made fun of for the food I brought. Um, and would yeah. you huh? would you say would you say that that would be a result of multiculturalism? And would you say that? Well, I wouldn't know if that's this is obviously before I think multicultural became a popular thing. Because it's more of like being alienated because you're other, and yeah. and do you think that that ties into the idea of wanting to be a member of the model minority myth that you want to fit in, so you fit into that mold that other people give to you? Yeah, I remember wanting to fit in, like trying to be more white. I guess I guess that's a way of saying it, but like yeah. trying to not trying... yeah hide my culture in a way. But uh, now I, I, I grew past that. I think I try to embrace my, my culture, of course, and um, it, I think I was definitely part of the model, model minority myth too. So the, like, um, yeah, uh, yeah I definitely I made fun of, <laughs> not made fun of. It's like, oh, Nick's good at math, I guess, and like stuff like that. And then, mm-hmm. well, I did do well in school though. I definitely agree with Nicholas because even when I was young, yeah, I remember whenever my mom used to like make Indian food and stuff for lunch, like, you know, sometimes kids would make fun of me, especially like, I guess, like growing up, at least I grew up in like Texas. So, you know, there, although there weren't, although there were a lot of white people, although, you know, I did also have like other Indian or Asian friends. Uh, so I think that definitely did impact me a little bit because I wanted to try to fit in more. And then I do remember, you know, telling my mom, I wanted like, white food like if she could like make pizzas or pastas rather than you know some traditional indian stuff or if she could just give me like lunch money so i could buy food from the cafeteria just because sometimes the kids would be like oh your food stinks or oh it looks weird you know just because they're not used to it even like if it tastes better than whatever they had so i definitely agree with nicholas like sometimes you know i guess in multiculturalism uh you end up like having a clash of cultures right we spoke about this last week as well and then you know 
now at least I I think Nicholas can relate here. Like, you know, now we embrace our cultures, our multiple yeah. cultures, right? Our side is an American as well as our side, our Asian side as well. And we're able to like find a balance now, especially like in this day and age, you know, like everyone's like, everyone's a lot more on, or most people are a lot more understanding. So, you know, no one's going to like make fun of your food anymore. Uh, but I definitely agree with Nicholas. You know, everyone's a lot more mature now. So it's a lot easier at least to be more multicultural and to really like, embrace yourself and your culture as a whole whereas in the past especially when we're young and trying to just fit in with everyone else especially for nicholas and i if we (laughs) went to like white schools we wanted to try to fit in with the white kids although my skin's as like far from white as you could probably get uh i definitely think it's a pretty interesting how we've been able to kind of like change that up that is extremely fair because um, one of the things that I find interesting about that is um, the idea of minorities, because if you if you were to look in California, California, from what I've heard, has like the most diverse. Um, it's, it's like if you just look at food, you can see there was like a bajillion sushi restaurants. There's a bajillion, you know, there's a bajillion different cultural restaurants that you can go to in California. And my mom always loves to tell the story that when she went to go to um, when she went to go to college in Minnesota, um, she there was only one Vietnamese pho restaurant inside of the town that she was walking at. There was one. And it was such a stark difference. And it's like, um, because and it's like, how much of your population is actually that ethnically diverse? And maybe that influences the society of that area. Because America in itself is like 50 tiny countries. And the fact that everyone, in fact, that there is this big, because there's always this big rivalry, like East Coast versus West Coast, as if we aren't as if we aren't all the same part of the same country but in reality america is just 50 tiny countries who all agree to walk with one another uh, i just want to build off that um what you're saying about like california being more diverse because uh when we were talking about school lunches like hearing the experiences from Dirish and nicholas was really really insightful because um i t- i went to school in socal and one of them pretty Asian dominated places. And um, my experience was like totally different. I never, I don't remember anyone making fun of my food or, or anything like that growing up. Um, And in fact, it was kind of like the opposite where like in elementary school, it'd just be a bunch of, I think it was pretty, pretty overwhelmingly majority Asian. So then it was like, at lunch, we just have like, a bunch of Asian kids sharing their their food like we had like Japanese kids sharing their lunches with Korean kids and then like I, I mean I would I would trade my Chinese lunch food with Koreans because <laughs> I like their food more so then that's like really surreal to me because it's like damn that's a totally different experience of uh childhood like I know I, I was never trying to get Lunchables or any white food like that <laughs> I mean, uh, screw that. I didn't like cheese. <laughs> it's it's weird because I I'm different from all of you as well. I'm I'm pretty sure because I don't know if we brought up, but I'm I was actually homeschooled all the way until I got into college, so I never had to deal with um uh, peer pressure or trying to fit in because I just I mean my. I, I like to joke that my only best friend and still my only best friend is my sister because we spent every day together. So that is basically how I grew up. And so I learned um, uh, topics like ethnicity, race, peer pressure. I learned it from a young age, but always in a more, 
like learn its setting. Like I was never actually a subject of it. And I think that kind of shaped me into how I really don't care about anything that's, I don't know, cold, because this is why ethnic slaves are so mind boggling to me because I didn't actually have to live through any of that. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, for for me, definitely. Um, I mean, my my mom's like Filipino, so like during lunches, sometimes she would like uh, make like like um, sisig or like uh, chicken adobo, and then it's like, Dude, no way they bullied you for chicken adobo. That's no, no, so no, 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 no. <laughs> people, people would really like be all like, "Oh, what's that smell?" Just because it has like vinegar and stuff. It's yeah. Just like, yeah, it was, and people would like try to like make. Not 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 really necessarily make fun, but like you know, just be like, "Oh, what are you eating? That's kind of weird." Uh-huh. So I do kind of like connect with that, but I think I think the experience that kind of like uh points out to me like during like during my school would definitely be like uh since I didn't want to be like um ostracized, I guess you could say, because I kind of went to like a predominantly like white school, so um. I don't know, they kind of, like, since there wasn't really that many, like, like ethnic people over there, it's like the, like, we kind of made, like, our own group over there, like, because, because I, I really don't know why, but it's, like, um, it's, like, kind of, like, uh, having, like, the same, like, experiences, like, with, like, different groups was kind of, like, kind of endearing almost, not really, but, like, you know, like, that um that you guys could uh still talk about regular stuff and not talk and not try to like criticize like anything and everything about one another. So I thought that was good, but definitely like for the model minority thing, I feel like I feel like that's kinda um not like well in my experience it's kinda like indirectly like in the school system because I remember one time like a te- like a teacher really like said like like since I was in like a predominantly white class they would be like oh you how can you not how come but like oh you speak so well blah 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 but it's like oh yeah that happened to me too yeah and it's just like it's like wow your English is so good I'm like bro I yeah, can't speak I was anything like, else I was really born here. <laughs> <laughs> it would really be like I was really born here type of moment but yeah I don't know if you guys well, well yeah. Uh, sorry, I, but I but um, um I didn't I d- I don't have that experience. But my dad says he did get that experience where people would ask him if he spoke Chinese. Um, I spoke Japanese, and he's like, "No, I was born in California, and I've been here all of my life, and he's never left." Yeah, but... that's crazy. I've never had. I I do get asked if I I can speak Chinese, but I feel like I probably get asked that more by like other Chinese people than white people. Although to be fair in SoCal, I, I don't interact with that many white people. Period. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually yeah, funny. Oh yeah, go ahead, man. It, it's like, but it's actually funny because my mother, she, she did, she, she isn't a native. Okay, she wasn't born in America. She came from Vietnam after the Vietnam War. But um, uh, she, she learned how to speak English so well that people are shocked that it isn't actually her first language. <laughs> so so it's always like so instead of it being like oh um uh, you speak english how can you speak english well? it's more it's more like 
man, you speak English better than most people who were born in America. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I don't know if you guys ever had this issue, but, like, I mean, I wasn't born here. I was born in India, but I lived here, like, almost all 21 years of my life. Like, I moved when I was, like, only a few months old. So the U.S. and, like, Canada are, like, you know, obviously, like, the only homes I've ever really had. And, but... I guess, like, you know, since my parents are immigrants and obviously, you know, their English wasn't perfect and they had accents. And I guess due to the British influence on India, like, some of their English has, like, kind of, like, British. You know, like, for instance, like, I grew up saying, like, herbs, like, with pronouncing the H rather than herbs, like, you know, most people here would say. So I remember, like, even stuff like that, you know, people would be like, oh, you have an accent. And I remember sometimes, you know, they'd try to correct me, even though, like, both ways are kind of, like, correct right like stove versus stove uh and then you know that i always that found that to be kind of funny and also just like kind of weird because like i don't know you know i don't know have you guys ever had that kind of issue about your accents or have well, you guys ever had any accents i've never had accents but i do find it incredibly stupid that um, um that they try to suppress it because if you look at the english language there are tons of different ways to speak it um uh, i actually saw a video where it was like um it was comparing three ways to speak the English language, and you had Americans, British, and Australians. <laughs> and they all spoke somewhat differently. So it's always like, why are you trying to suppress an accent when your own language has like a bajillion different variants of its own <laughs> language? <laughs> Even in America, Southern people speak differently from East Coast people, and East Coast people, people speak differently from West Coast people. That is true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about, like, I know, I think we've kind of spoken a lot about, like, multiculturalism and stuff, but what do you guys think about the model minority aspect of, you know, I guess, like, we're all Asian, at least, you know, Brock, like, you said you're part Asian, right? Because your mm -hmm. mom's Filipino. Yeah. I know, I think this is definitely something we can all really, like, relate to and talk about as far as model minority and, like, those sorts of stereotypes go. What do you I guys mean, think about those? Um, uh, I mean, it's incredibly harmful because... Again, being homeschooled, I was never really exposed to that. Mm -hmm. But but in um, uh, but I learned about it. And when I got to community college, I did have a group of friends, and like four of them were Asian, and they would always joke about you know the stereotypical Asians being smaller. But it was always lighthearted. But it is concerning to me that such a myth could be considered truth, because it was. Because you know it's just, it's incredibly harmful the stereotype. It's like um, uh, I don't know if you've seen because I've never watched uh, a movie called Mean Girls, but there but I've heard about this infinite scene. Sorry, this infamous scene where you have all the cliches and all the cliches are stereotypes. Like you had the hot Asians, then you had the small Asians, then you had the stupid Asians. <laughs> and it's always like stereotypes themselves are just a really harmful thing, but people do it to create. Um, uh, so that they can categorize people, so that you don't have to be worried that everyone will be different. If you can cut, if you can nail down quote unquote basic traits that they all have, then it's way easier to be like, okay, I understand this portion of them. And I think the model minority, as a stereotype, was created with that intent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I could definitely use, uh, hear that one, but um. I remember I touched upon like the subject in like the very first episode, like about the model minority, where like my mom kind of like pushed, you know, to go to school. Since like I don't know, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like, um, like the model minority. It kind of like, 
it, it's definitely it's definitely not the reason why I'm like going to college right now and stuff because you know I wanted to go to college, but it's like I feel I feel like the model minority indirectly kind of put like more uh, pressure on me to like go to college if that makes sense. Because if I don't go to college, then like I, I would feel like a failure. And like, do you guys like kind of like um, kind of connect to that? Like, like I, yeah, like yeah. push for you know to strive in your academics because you guys work harder. Yeah, I like it didn't feel like there was a choice to not go to college. I feel like yeah, yeah, Same definitely. Thing. Like, like I feel like uh like not going to college wasn't even an option for me <laughs> i mean same here but it wasn't because i was asian it was because um uh, my my mother and father well my mother and father are both college graduates and they both can hold down really nice jobs but the but the main thing was that they were worried about me financially basically they're like yes you can make money in anything in in things outside of college but the but the but the likelihood of that happening is slimmer than if you were to go to college and get, you know, a quote unquote acceptable job. So I said, I'm going to become a professor and they're like, yes, do that. And then if you want to do something, at least you have a solid base to fall back on, you know, before you start doing what you want, you need to still have money to pay the bills. So you can actually pursue what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's the reasoning. So I was never pressured because I was Asian. I was just, I was just told the reasoning why I should go to college is because I just need a stable base of operations before I start looking around for what I really want to do with my life. Mm, interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, like, I think mine might, I, I, maybe my parents are stricter or it might be more stricter maybe because like, you know, were there i guess you know immigrants from india so they grew up there uh but like no my parent for me college is like not going to college is like never an option if i wanted to ever like stay in their house like they made that very clear and then obviously like i guess you know the stereotypes about indians like you're either a doctor or like an engineer i think that's super true like my parents have never once like allowed you know like even really talked about me being anything other than an engineer or going into like medicine and even when I say medicine, I don't even mean like a PA or like a nurse. They're like, no, you have to, like if you're gonna go into medicine, you have to be a doctor. Uh, you know, fortunately, I'm actually interested in medicine, so like, you know, that's not as bad. But like, <laughs> what if I wasn't right? Then it's like, what if I wanted to go into like business and stuff? You know, the fact that like they really like want me to only go into those two fields, I think like they're kind of just reinforcing those sorts of stereotypes that. Although, you know, they can be positive, at least it's not like bad to say, oh, Indian people like, like, because that's kind of summing it down to like Indian people are smart or, you know, they're high achieving. But like, at the same time, you know, it's all, it's definitely destructive because it puts that sort of like pressure on you as well. It's just like, it's like, if you don't achieve that, then you're like a failure, not just to like yourself, but like your family and even like your community. So obviously, you know, there's definitely like a lot of negative connotations that come with even like what can be construed as like positive stereotypes, which... I'm sure you guys can also speak about a lot more. Oh yeah, what you what you just said is like it's mind blowing to me because I just had this revelation when you were speaking it, and it was and it was this idea that um people want you to become something despite not knowing um all the other options. It's like um I I can understand if a parent says oh well you want to become an, an engineer or a doctor, but the funny thing is is that both engineers and doctors there are tons of different specializations with each of them that people don't know because they only associate it with a stereotype. Like when you think doctor, you think of the doctor you go to. You don't necessarily think of surgeon or biomedical engineer or all these other niche things that actually make good money. 
and they might be more aligned with your interests, but they're not well known enough that they don't fit into that model minority myth. It's like I'm a, it's like I'm a saying. It's like saying I want to be an engineer, but then what do you want to be an engineer on? Do you want to be a robotics engineer or an engineer that works for NASA? Do you want to work on computer engineering? Do you want to make tiny robots? Do you want to work on um uh, on um uh, prosthetics for human bodies? You're gonna need, you're gonna need a biology degree for that. So there was just so much in science and what people and what falls into the category of like doctor engineer. But I'm afraid, but the stereotypes dumb it down to the point where people can't make that decision and then they and then they force you down a path that might not be for you, but another path in that same field might. I guess I kind of want to like shift the topic a little and just ask like what, how many of you guys believed in the model minority myth growing up? Nope, hmm. not me. <laughs> I mean, I think I kind of did just mainly because like you know, like all of my like Asian and Indian friends, like their parents are all, you know, in like tech or they're all in like healthcare or I guess mainly tech. So it's like, I felt like, you know, we kind of did live up or we kind of like put ourselves in that model minority sort of like box. So like, I never really like understood anything other than that, just because I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense, you know, like Asian people are, you know, like we kind of do everything that they're saying about us. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I definitely connect with uh, what you said, Duresh. Um, I didn't like. I would say that uh, I didn't really necessarily like believe it, but like I think it's more just because I didn't really understand what was happening around me. I guess like because it's like it's like um. I didn't I didn't think that I was necessarily like smarter or like better than like another person but and that I worked harder than them. Like I like for me personally I always felt that like you know if you if anyone could like uh, work hard and you know put in the time then you know they could achieve whatever they wanted to but it but but definitely like learning about the model minority, it kind of like explains some of the experiences like I've had. And it's like, oh, wait, then maybe this is just like internalized like racism and like a bunch of like different like institutions that affect my life. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like learning about it is definitely like eye opening. And like, I feel like it, it's more um, necessary to like teach i think maybe in like even like the k through 12 type like because because i feel like in high school well i mean well i mean i know in my high school they didn't touch on this topic or anything like that but i don't know about for you guys well i I was asking because i i feel like it's kind of weird or like interesting that even though i went to a, a majority asian school i feel like we probably bought into the model minority myth the hardest um compared to you guys who did not go to overwhelmingly asian schools and i think <laughs> i think the main role it played was just like nobody really understood what affirmative action was and then all we knew was like bro this is bullshit like why the fuck why do we need like 1500 SAT scores and like everybody else doesn't. So that's like how we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I still don't totally understand it, but my interpretation now is like, 
we're kind of all suffering from a system that doesn't treat all ethnic groups fairly. But um, back then when I was growing up, it was like, I, that, I feel like, I really feel like the model minority myth enabled a lot of like uh, subtle racism because the, the two biggest, um, the two biggest populations at my school were Asians and black people. And we were like very weirdly segregated <laughs> throughout high school. And I, I would hear like a fair share of like uh, low key racist things. Like people would like kind of refer to them as like the ghetto kids even though we all live in the suburbs <laughs> a lot of i i definitely felt like the model minority myth um enabled us to be like it kind of enabled us to not intermingle as races and there was definitely some uh some racial tension yeah definitely Would anyone like to build off of that um, for, like, the last, like, minute or two? No, that was actually just – that was pretty good. I don't know if I can come up with a response for that. All right. I mean, honestly, I think that might be a good note to end on. Like, that was a pretty good response, like Quinn said. Okay, then. So, I guess then... All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to... Thank you for listening to Ethnic Talks Podcast. This was our special double-time um, uh, length episode to um, uh, to pay respect to the fact that this is our finale. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if we're going to do a second season, but I hope that this was enough for you to get out of this topic. And... Furthermore, I hope that this series has helped you delve deeper into the topic of the model minority myth and multicultural, and more specifically, how it interacts with race and how it has affected not only Asian Americans, but also maybe your minority, maybe your group, or how it has affected your perspective of other minorities or of other groups. So I would like to hear your comments. Um, uh, I hope... I sincerely, sincerely hope that you manage to get at least this out of the pod, out of this podcast. That no matter what, minor, life, life for minorities has been difficult in the United States. We have had to go through so much stuff in our history, but th- gradually it seems to have gone a slightly bit better. Not perfect. Not it isn't even good yet, but it is getting there. And so conversations like these will help bring it into, will help make it better as more people become aware so that less are ignorant to the nature of minorities and how the, and how America interacts and has treated them and hopefully will treat them better. In, in the end, though, that's all for this podcast. So have a good rest of the year and Merry Christmas. The end. Right, thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.